Welcome to Human First. My name is David Tilston, and this podcast explores the methods, habits, and processes which allow us to excel as human beings. My aim is to utilize the experience and knowledge of experts from a wide range of different fields and to translate these into easy to follow principles that can be adopted by you to improve your life and those around you. Today, I welcome Neil Shoney to the podcast. He specializes in business and marketing fundamentals, paid advertising, website SEO and growth hacks, copywriting, email and content marketing, social media, and a lot more. This episode will be a benefit to anyone looking to understand social media more, and especially those in the health and fitness space. Let's get into it. Neil, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, my friend. Really appreciate it. I have wanted to get you on the podcast for a while because... I've seen how effective your marketing strategies are. So where did it all start and how did you end up doing the job you're doing now? Well, I, I never actually sought out to, to be a marketing coach or a marketer in, in any sort of capacity. I, I studied sport and exercise science at university and uh, I ran club nights while, whilst I was there. So again, nothing to do with health and fitness. In fact, probably the polar opposite of anything to do with health and fitness when it comes to that side of things, uh, especially the way I treated it at the time. Um, but on the other side of graduating from university, I always knew I was going to go into business. I think I was inspired by um, by my granddad. Um, he, he actually wasn't a business owner, but when I was younger, he was a manager of, of a company. And I thought that meant a business owner. So I was inspired from a young age to to go down the business route. So when I graduated, my ideas were flowing for all the different businesses I could run. And I decided that the only two things I knew at that point were health and fitness, and I knew uh, I knew events. So I created Scotland's biggest ever health and fitness exhibition. We had thousands of people come every single year uh, to, to that exhibition, but we started with 2000 pounds in our overdraft. So no money whatsoever had to get good at marketing very, very quickly to be able to sell thousands of tickets and to be able to sell uh, exhibition stands to some of the biggest, um, you know, nutrition companies, equipment companies and and things of that nature. And so I was forced to become good at marketing very quickly. And when the word spread on the back of that, one of the exhibitors actually said to a friend of theirs who was opening up a gym, use this guy. This guy will do your launch for you. He'll run Facebook ads, he'll run your socials, he'll run your emails um, to, to launch the gym. And I actually said no to them initially because I was a bit worried about taking on somebody else's business. Um, but then I ended up going down the route of changing my mind and I took a bit of a risk on it. But we spent £4,000 on Facebook ads. We returned £297,866 of gym membership sales before their doors had even opened. And that created a word of mouth business. Um, for, for me starting to run Facebook ads, email marketing, and social media um, for, for businesses in the health and fitness space mainly. And uh, as soon as I had, I don't know, 15 clients, something along the lines of that, I was working around the clock, like around the clock. And there was, there was no space. I know it's very similar for, for yourself, just being maxed out with clients and there's no more hours in the day. So people started saying, well, if you can't take me on, can you show me how to do it? And that's when I went into the, the coaching space and started to actually just share the methods that that we um, that we were already using for our, our own business, but also for the clients that we were working with. And it's just grown arms and legs from there, a lot through word of mouth, just like yourself, you know, somebody who's inside the program and they said to go into the challenge. And so you ended up in the challenge. So there's a lot of word of mouth that 
that happens for us, even though, of course, marketing's our thing. Word of mouth is obviously the 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 best route to go down. Mm. Yeah, I heard that recently. Um, I'm sure you can back this up or, or say otherwise, but that word of mouth is one of the strongest marketing tools that anyone can use um, and social proof. Is that correct? A hundred percent. I mean, nothing that we ever say about our business is going to be as powerful as somebody else saying it on our behalf. And so if, you know, if I was to say, you know, we've got the, the best marketing strategies for online coaches to be able to acquire clients and they'll be as repeatable as humanly possible. If it came out of my mouth, if it's articulated quite well, you'd be intrigued. But if it came out of your friend's mouth, you'd be going, that sounds amazing. What is the system for signing up here? What's it like when you're in there? And, you know, you, you'd you be on that sort of verge of being ready to sign up right away. So the, the word of mouth side of things, I mean, it's an indication that you're doing great work anyway, you know, for, for your clients, if you've got word of mouth um, leads coming in. They're the easiest leads you'll ever close because, of course, they're coming from the point of view of somebody else has actually vouched for you uh, in advance. Um, but then your second point there about um, about social proof, which it is a sort of tie-in a, a little bit to word of mouth because it will create some word of mouth coming inbound to you. There's nothing that you can share out of your own mouth or on your own platform as powerful as social proof, the actual results that you get for your clients. I mean, we, we were talking before the the podcast about um, different types of marketers in different parts of the world and um, that some markets love the the marketing coach that's, uh, you know, they don't talk about marketing. <laughs> they just share pictures of their uh, their Lamborghini or, um, you know, they're holding <laughs> wads of fake cash, <laughs> you know, whatever that, that may look like. Isn't that very 1990s? Yeah, yeah it, it, <laughs> it works in some markets, but then there there's uh, there's other markets and there's other groups of people uh, that, that you'd like to work with where, you know, you don't do that. And instead you actually educate them and uh, instead you actually share your client's results, and not just your own. So it's not just like, look at my bank balance. It's like, hey, I'm not even going to tell you about me. Let me just show you what our clients, people like you are doing. Uh, and there's nothing really more powerful than that, whatever it is that you coach. I think that's something, and this is something we briefly discussed before, is the the struggle. And especially, I think, in the British culture, even say English, uh, to sort of bring it down even more, is that sort of the humble approach, don't oversell yourself. And we see, saw this a lot in the military as well, like just get on with the job, keep your head down. Don't say things you can do, just do them. And I don't think that really translates well to social media because effectively you're working against others, not against others, but there is a competition aspect because there's only a, um, a finite amount of space on social media to, to advertise and, and to work with others. And whoever's got the best marketing is going to get them in the door. I was told about three months ago, funnily enough, through Simon, uh, who's working with you guys, that if you don't get them in, you can't help them. And that's something that's really stuck with me. Is this something you see quite a lot where, where people struggle to put themselves out there? And it sort of leads into the other question I have written down, actually. Um, like what do you find that individuals and companies struggle with the most when it comes to selling themselves or their ethos? Well, I, I, I see that just about all coaches struggle to put themselves out there in, I suppose you could say, the fullest capacity. So... I mean, even those who are sharing social media posts and different things, they shy away from being able to show that, you know, in a sense, they are remarkable in in the things that they have achieved and, you know, the lifestyle that they lead and, and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with 
with sharing sharing those things to to an extent. I mean, if you're in the health, fitness, and wellness space, and you know you happen to be in great shape, or you live the lifestyle that you pass on to your clients, and there's nothing wrong with sharing some of that uh, some of that on social media. But what you really want to be doing, you know, especially in the coaching space, because the person is investing in the coach. There's a lot of people. Like if you really took into account how many people are actually promising or suggesting a result that is similar to yours for a demographic that is similar to yours, you have a lot of competition, right? So of course, we always say, um, sell them what they want, not what they need. You can give them what they need when they're actually in, right? So that's a, a really strong positioning point for the content that you put out there. But then the other thing that you, you need to think about um, when you're sharing your content is showing that you're both relatable and remarkable. So coaches by our very nature is like remarkable, 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 remarkable. Look at everything that I know. Look at everything that I've done. And you know, it's it's all of these wow factor things. Whereas when you're up against all the other coaches that are also saying, hey, look at me, I'm remarkable, I'm remarkable, I'm remarkable, I'm remarkable. The person who's actually gonna get a bit the business a lot of the time is the person who has related most to the people who are seeing that post. So if two coaches were to share a similar piece of proof, now proof is one of the most important parts of your social media uh, content that you put out there. It's going to have like the lowest reach, but it's going to have also the highest amount of inbound messages coming into your, your DMs. So it's in terms of actual business growth and not just looking alive or getting likes and whatever, it's, it's really, really important. If two coaches were to share something super, super similar, the ones that are actually going to get people coming into the DMs are the ones that have actually related closely to their target demographic in the lead up to that proof going out there. And so showing that you're a normal human being, showing that outside of health and fitness, you're a normal human being as well. You've got hobbies, you've got friends, you've got family, you've got things that you like to do, things that you like to do that's outside of the norm of what a health and fitness professional does, for example. I mean, I, I'll typically share, you know, business marketing gurus or whatever that sort of like pigeonhole that somebody could put me in because you know I teach people how to grow their businesses I go down the absolute opposite route of like I never share my car I never share anything about my own finances I literally just share the proof of the clients that we work with but similarly on my socials I will share every single week I share something that's something along the lines of five things I did this week that aren't in the business and marketing gurus handbook and then I just share that, you know, every single afternoon at 3 p.m., I was with my grand for an hour and a half, eating cake, drinking tea and watching uh, watching the chase, <laughs> you know? So like, I'll share things like that. And it, it builds so much more connection of just being a normal human being. And when it comes down to it, there's a lot of people that can get a lot of people a certain type of result. But the people who are going to get their target demographic over the line into their coaching are the people that actually... Uh, closely relate to them, especially if you're in that premium pricing um, scenario as well, for sure. That's interesting. There's always things to to sort of uh, focus on. I think a, a strategy is something that not many people actually have. And it's something that actually when I did your challenge, you were discussing about how you can't just sort of dive into this and do something and then disappear for a bit. It's almost you need a set strategy to work through. So you're constantly going through sort of might be messaging people again, just see how they're doing, see if they want to get back into training or, or whatever it might be. Um, but it was very simple as well. That's what I liked. And I think 
some of the most effective strategies are found in training people uh, that I've learned from others just, just as a human being. And through marketing seem to be super, super simple. It's not too complex, but you need to know when to use them and how to use them. That's it. And with the, the sort of scenario that you're talking about there, it's, you know, the compounding effect is what we talk about throughout the whole challenge. It's like, you know, simple things done frequently, get incredible results over time. A lot of people try and get rich really quickly rather than, you know, if, um, if you, if you were to give somebody a system in which they couldn't get rich quickly, but if they stayed consistent with it, you could guarantee they'd be rich over time. For the most part, when you articulate it like that, people would take the second, but when people don't have it put in front of them and articulated in that way, everybody's just looking for, for the quick fix. So when we uh, share our seven minute a day lead generator and one of the things in there, so it probably takes three minutes a day, um, is something that will get you probably four or five new followers every single day, right? That are within your target market. Now, if I say to somebody, go and do this thing today and you'll get four or five new followers, they wouldn't be that excited by it. But when you show them that over the course of a month, that's 150 new followers inside their target market. And over the course of a year, that's, I don't know, 1,800 close to that per uh, new followers within their target demographic, not just people they've bought or, you know, wangled their way into to following them by follow one follower or anything like that. Like real followers have made the choice to follow them within their target demographic. Now it gets really exciting. And, you know, a lot of coaches are looking for the 52 step funnels and albeit that we've got funnels and um, they're really effective. They're typically two, three step funnels that are already built for everybody that we work with in advance. We don't turn people into full-time markers. We try and simplify the process, even when it is something a little bit more complex, but most of the things that are going to move the needle in a coaching business the most is uh, the simple things done frequently. And that's it. Yeah, I really like that. That That's an ethos or thread that's run through this whole podcast. Every single person, every high-level coach, um, high-level businessman, anyone who's done these these things or who has attained a perceived high standard has always done a little bit every day. And it's something I sort of really say to my my guys and, and people I train and the ladies is that don't try and achieve something today because the, the likelihood is if you achieve it quickly, it's going to disappear quickly try and build such a solid foundation that you can, yeah, something's going to come up some days and then that'll go to a plateau that'll sort of level out and then something else will come up. So having these different streams you're running consistently is going to show you that learning and development is not a linear process. It's happening on many different levels at once. And yeah, some things materialize over years, some things over days, and it's just, that's just the way it is. And that's okay. You've actually sort of led well into this next question because you've highlighted that social social proof, et cetera, is very good, but also being relatable to people is good. Are there other strategies you think that people are definitely missing out on that are very simple to apply through a social media platform? Let's pick Instagram as an example. Um, and just prior to saying that, I've been following a couple of uh, accounts over the last two weeks. They're seeing 5,000 extra people follow them per day using Reels. So is there certain patterns you're seeing? Is there certain things we could do more to get out there and to spread a message and to draw in people into sort of our ethos or uh, as coaching clients? Yeah, 100%. Well, with the real side of things, 
it is an opportunity right now, uh, for sure. It's one of those ones where Instagram have very, very much been outspoken about their emphasis on reels. Like that's where they want to see the platform go to be short form video. Um, and therefore, whenever we have those indications, it's very, very helpful for us to listen to it and lean into it. Uh, and then further to that, that type of video, so like tall videos that engulf the screen under 60 seconds, they're actually really repurposable as well. So a lot of people think about it like, right, so I need to record a video, do I need to edit it and things. Even if you do go into any editing, which by the way, can just be recorded to your to your phone when you're happy with it, then just add captions. And there's loads of things, CapCut, there's, um, uh, you can even just use Instagram itself. You can actually just use Instagram to add captions to it, download it, and then post it uh, afterwards. Um, so you can have a fully edited video with captions in the space of you know a couple of minutes and put it out there, but you can also repurpose it. So it doesn't even have to be that that le level of effort to put out an Instagram reel. It can also then go out on Facebook reels. It can go out on Facebook business reels. So now you've got three places that, that this video has gone. It could go out on TikTok if you have an account. That's now four. If you happen to have a YouTube account, then it can go on uh, YouTube Shorts. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be other there'll be other platforms that use that type of video in the future. So you can repurpose it for sure. But Reels themselves um, have more virality than anything right now. Like most coaches, unless they have, you know, 25, 35,000 followers or something like that, they're not really going into the Discover platform. So on Instagram, you have the people who follow you and then you have the things that get suggested to people outside of who follow you already. Most coaches, unless they're already uh, got a good following, high engagement on the stuff they're putting out there, they don't typically hit the Discover platform and get discovered by people outside of their followers. However, Reels do. And so if you have a, a really good Reel and it gets a good engagement when it first goes out there, there's a very high probability that it will get start it will get seen by people outside of the ones that are following you so it is a, a really really good tool um ongoing at the moment at least at, at this this time of year i would say that you know even if it didn't end up continuing down this path for the rest of this year reels are still going to be the most vital thing that you can possibly share and then yeah, I, I actually can't see it really changing anytime soon. I think I think it's going to be quite a long-term one. Um, they've really gone gung-ho on it. Their biggest competitor at the moment for attention is TikTok, and TikTok are 100% this style. And so they want to capture that attention back. So I can't see it going any other way for probably another year, year and a half. And in terms of sharing content around training, so if you sort of most of the people sort of within my space uh, that I sort of interact within are, are coaches or practitioners of fitness or movement. And I use that word loosely, but sharing your own training is something that when Instagram started, um, whenever that, that was sort of, um, I don't know, was it 2012, 14? I, I can't remember um, at what point. People were just sharing their training. It was like, this is me today doing this training. And, and there was certainly... Uh, a higher engagement than it is now but i know personally if i just see somebody's training i'm over like right next next is there a different take that people should be looking at really if they want engagement obviously if people are happy to do their thing and they're just using it just to say this is me and this is what i do that's quite a different story but in terms of increasing engagement 
are there specific things that they could do just to sort of see a slight increment even this week uh, just by doing one or two things? Sure. Well, with the training side of things specifically, there's always that that nuance there of um, or that bias of what would I like or not like. And bearing in mind that a lot of the fitness professionals, of course, aren't um, trying to hold the attention of other fitness professionals, uh, albeit that they probably have a few snoopers. Uh, they're not trying to hold the attention of those other uh, fitness professionals. So they they probably can benefit from sharing their own training. I actually said it to somebody um, a few months ago. I was like, dude, I don't think I've ever seen anything on your on your uh, page. I don't think I've seen anything in your stories about you actually training yourself ever. I was like, that that's a problem. It's not that you have to engulf like tops off and, you know, pose in and things like that. It doesn't have to be like that, but literally show that you live the lifestyle a little bit of what you're preaching, you know, instead of it just being like a post every single day, telling people why it's a ridiculous thing if they don't have a coach like those those like you see a few of those profiles right where like every post that goes out there is about the reason why you need a coach not here's how to actually get healthier here's how to get fitter here's nutrition tips training tips sleep tips or whatever those things are nothing about their own training it's just literally a post after post after post about why somebody needs a coach and it's like that's the reason why you're not getting any any engagement there so uh, if you go down the value driven route um that it's going to be a really, really big difference uh, for that type of person, first and foremost, to get a lot more engagement this week. But then if I was to give you a few things that are very specific that people can do this week to increase the engagement that they've got on socials, then um, a couple of things that that I would uh, say is, first of all, that type of lifestyle content that we're already talking about, you're probably not doing it. And it's going to be one of the most effective things for increasing your your reach, your engagement on your social platforms. Uh, you'll notice it with a lot of people. You can even look at my own profile. When I put out a picture of, let's say, myself and my wife or myself and my cat or something along the lines of that, the engagement will be through the roof in comparison to telling somebody a Facebook ad strategy, right? However, it's not just about getting engagement on that post. The really cool thing is that when Instagram sees there's a, a post that's just gone out and in the first five minutes, it's got more engagement than usual. It shows it to way more people and then it gives it gives those people the opportunity to engage with it also. And an engagement isn't just likes and comments and shares and post saves and things like that. It can also be just stopping. Instagram sees that as, a, as an engagement. The person has stopped scrolling to read something. Hit the see more button. Same thing is true on Facebook with that as well. And so there's a lot of engagements that happen. And here's the really cool thing. If you're not seeing a lot of people seeing your, you know, your proof-based posts or your educational style content, if you have people engage with your lifestyle content once per week, those people will see more of your other posts. So if you want to spike the amount of engagement you have, put out hyper-engaging content and use that engagement to get those people to see more of the other stuff that you really want them to see. So that type of content, the lifestyle content is a really big one. It's also uh, straight up engagement content that you're actually putting out there. So it might be, um, you know, quick question, where should chocolate be inside the fridge or outside of the fridge, right? That type of stuff, it's not got any relation to your business whatsoever. But the funny thing is the engagement on it is absolutely insane. You can end up with like 300 comments when you typically don't get anybody <laughs> commenting on it whatsoever. 
But people look at it and they go, this is ridiculous because it's like, it's nothing to related to fitness. Usually other coaches <laughs> are, are like, are, are saying that. It's not actually like the market's mad about it. It's just other coaches because they're either not doing it themselves or don't understand it. So it's like, oh, look at that person sharing that thing. And they're like annoyed to see that coach has like 300 comments on something. Uh, so that they'll bash it a little bit. But those 300 people that commented on that post are now going to see more of your other posts across the week. And then therefore you have a higher probability of that proof-based post, your before and after image or whatever that proof may look like turning into inbound messages in the DMs, turning into sales on the other side. Hmm. And that comes back to that. If you can't get people in, you can't help them, I suppose, doesn't it? So you, you sort of giving them a little bit to bring them into the fold and then you give them some good information and then they walk away with that. Um, it's something that I've been considering a lot over the last few months is like trying to just impart information. It was the reason for the podcast. It was because I wanted to have discussions where people felt like they could benefit as well uh, for no other reason at all, just to literally give it away just so people could start to learn stuff. And it was sort of my way of bringing experts into, uh, into this field where discussions could be had that the information was solid and it was from experience it or maybe a scientific backing in, in other cases. Uh, I've had doctors on here. I've got holistic dentists lined up, all, all these different people from different backgrounds so people can have this full spectrum approach to, to life and understand that being a human is not just selling something or doing training or, or whatever it might be. It's this multifaceted thing. And like you said, that relatability, if that's what, uh, from having like your cat or, or your time with your wife or for people with children, all that sort of stuff on there. I could see why that that builds up that rapport because they go, well, hold on a second, you're doing it. And by sharing your training, you're showing that you can do it as well. And then you're going to coach me to do it. That makes far more sense than no offense to anyone, obviously, if they're on this, this journey, but an 18 year old telling a 38 year old husband of uh, six kids how, how to, to find more time in his life. Cause you're going to go, whoa, 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 uh, come on. There's, there's no trust here. There's no proof. Today's sponsor is Ape Nutrition. To find out more about their products, their ethos, and how they support the environment and much more, please check out episode seven with Josh and myself. And to save 10% on all orders, head to apenutrition.co.uk using the code HUMAN, that's H-U-M-A-N, at the checkout to find out more. Back to the podcast. You're also in New York. Uh, that's correct, isn't it? Correct, yeah. What led you to spend more time in the US out of interest? I just thought I'd throw that one out there from a job perspective. I got got, got married to a New Yorker. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, Easy answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm one of the few uh, Tinder success stories um, from, you know, back, back in the UK. Um, so I, I, was, I was running that first business that I mentioned, the events business um, in the UK. And my wife now, she was studying at Glasgow Uni to, to become a vet. Um, I'm absolutely obsessed with animals. She's a vet and um, we met, bonded on that. And then, yeah, got engaged, moved out here just over two years ago now. But I come back to the UK probably five times a year. Um, so I jump back and forth quite a lot. When it's hot? Or... I was there last Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, you picked a good time for it in the middle of the summer. Um, it's a little bit colder where you're from. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I've got a few more questions before we start to wrap it up. Um, if you had the option to rewind time, what methods would you have not have invested time in or money? And what would you have 
focused on a little bit more? Um, I mean, if I if I could rewind, the crazy thing is it it depends on how you look at anything, and the reason why I say that is when I was just racking through my brain there of all the things I guinea pigged and they didn't work out. Those always gave me aha moments of what the next thing is that would work. I mean, there's a lot of people that throw the toys out the pram if something doesn't work, whereas the alternative there is that you look at the thing that didn't work and you almost use it like a darts player, you know, when they when they call it like a marker, the, the first dart, and it's easier to adjust the hand and the throw the next time because of the marker that you've already set. And so every single time I've tried something out and it hasn't worked, it's usually given me an indication as to part of it that worked or what needed to change next time to make it work uh, efficiently. And so albeit that there, there's definitely been things that, that I've tested out that have not worked whatsoever, the experiment itself has always ended up in you know a fruitful outcome one way or another even in actually telling people this isn't the best route to go down and being able to save them the time and effort of figuring that out for themselves. So to be honest, I probably would have done the majority of things the same because I I, I run things today the way that I ran things when I first went into the business myself, which is I, I, I'm hyper efficient with my time. I look at every single thing as an experiment. The things that that work, I triple down upon, and the things that don't work, I remove and and I replace, and that that's basically it. So, um, you know, good, bad, indifferent. I think there's learnings to be had with anything, and given what what you do, um, and how how you coach people, I'm sure, you know, the mindset around the result is probably a big thing that that you talk about as well. And um, for me personally, it's, you know. Not not only has it has it been massively effective in business, massively effective for our coaching clients, but also it just makes for being a happier human being. Because <laughs> you know, everything's an experiment. Something can go wrong, it can go indifferent, or it can go great. And you know what? We're we're gonna we're gonna pull the good out of each each of those outcomes and uh, and move forward. So yeah, that, that's what I would say. That's a good answer. I think we're afraid to make mistakes. I think that's one of the biggest problems. And there is a point where you just say, fuck it, I'm going to try something and see if it sticks and just just see if it works. And I had this conversation in the last episode, funnily enough, about like the whole cancel culture. And I think that's what scares people sometimes is like they're afraid to put themselves out there in case something comes back in a negative approach or, or effect. But again, I'd like to think that most human beings just understand the same principles that you've just um, elaborated on, that it is just a big experiment. We're just here to try things, see what happens. And like you said, when you're in uni and uh, doing certain like degree or whatever it might be, the way we approach things in our younger years and the way we approach things when we're older are probably quite different. And that again shows a growth mindset, doesn't it? It's the ability to change things based on scenarios that maybe haven't worked as well. And then you've just adapted it and, and changed uh, depending on those results. Last two questions, one-to-one coaching or mass sales at low price? I, I think I know the answer to this one, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the, the most ideal scenario for, for the majority of coaches. I mean, actually I should take one step back. It is 100% individualized to everybody. We've got people who absolutely kill it 
with selling £59 automated programs. They don't coach anybody in any sort of capacity, even in a group. £59 coaching programs. And I mean, at that price point, doing like 60 to 70K months, right? So you can you can do that in the health and fitness space. Secondly, we've got people who are in what we consider mid-ticket. Most people say high ticket or low ticket. There is that that middle ground where you have products that are like £199 to 500 they're a little bit more intensive. They might be multi-module. You know, there's a lot of time and effort that's been put into it. There may even be some sort of group element uh, or support in there as well. And we've got people that have absolutely killed it in that space. And then we, of course, have lots of people who are in the premium coaching space. And that's probably where I would say 70, 70 to 75% of our private coaching clients sit or in the the higher ticket, they want to work with um, less people, but in what they would deem as a more meaningful way. And so that sort of like one-to-one coaching style um, is really, really effective. It's something that with the right systems can become very scalable. But for most coaches, what would be an absolute dream scenario, and most people don't really think about this when they're talking about one-to-one, is bringing it premium one-to-many. So it's like, well, it's either going to be one-to-one or it's going to be one-to-many and I have to charge a really low price. But what you can do, as long as your coaching is really effective and there is touch points of one-to-one within there, you can still charge premium prices and you can leverage your time better. So of course, you might have a check-in call once per month or something along the lines of that. However, the other communication can be inside a group and the other communication or one or, or personalized experience can be through Q&As. So it doesn't matter if there's two people there or 200 people there. It's the same one hour per week that you put aside on a Tuesday or a Thursday, whenever you want that to be. And so you you usually go through the, the steps with that one. If we go to, to the one-to-one coaching, you do it as literally one-to-one until you have your first 10, 15, 20. Then you simply articulate to them, I'm going to take your experience to a whole new level by putting you together to add in a community so it's it's positioned as beneficial to them which it is it's beneficial to you it's beneficial to them it's one of those scenarios where everybody wins right and so you position it as we're going to take things to to the next level by doing this now you're not taking anything away from their experience you're adding to their experience and at the same time you're going to have a lot less one-to-one questions coming into your emails or whatsapp or however you communicate with your clients because their question is very often going to be answered inside the group And then you can even leverage your time better there by saying at 9 a.m. every single day, I go into the group and answer all of the questions. Maybe I take another look in the the evening before I shut off, right? And so you can leverage your time instead of having WhatsApp and emails pinging. So even though it's 100% individualized, that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is if you are going to go down the premium one-to-one, which most coaches want to go down, and also for many coaches, it is 100% the right thing to go down as well. Um, in that scenario, get your first few clients over the line and then see if you can transition into one-to-many so that you can leverage your time a little bit more and then therefore you can work with more clients, impact more people, have a higher income. That's the system that I would go down. Yeah, that's very true. I've seen with many things in life, people think it's either all or nothing or the scale in the middle. It always seems to be, a, it could be this, it could be this, but it's very dependent on the personal uh, circumstances. And again, coming coming back to a coaching perspective, I'm always looking at this with, 
with clients is that one program that one person might work through, there may be a similar format because we're human beings, our joints need to move in specific ways and have specific attributes as a whole. But the actual program is very different. The way we, um, the way we tackle it, the volume, the intensity, all of these things uh, are very dependent on, on that person. Uh, and it might be that one person has a 10th of the amount of work somebody else has, but the program is very similar. Um, so I completely understand how that framework could be made bespoke, even though on paper, it would seem very similar across the board. So we haven't really discussed uh, your sort of lifestyle habits. So we can really address this in the sort of final question, but we're gonna get to that shortly. Where can we find out more about you, Neil? And how can the listeners uh, find out about coaching strategies and all the other sort of benefits you can offer them? Uh, well, easiest place to find me would be on Instagram at Neil Shoney Mac, all one word. It looks like Neil's Honey. So Neil's Honey Mac, <laughs> all, all one word. Uh, unfortunately, didn't realize that until I'd already um, made, made it the handle everywhere. Um, including my website is neilshoney.com is what everybody thinks it is, not Neil Shoney. So um, you can find me at Neil Shoney Mac on Instagram. And if you if you want to genuinely get leads, genuinely get sales completely for free before ever considering working with us, um, then simply come into to the challenge and we'll give you the templates. We'll work with you closely. We'll audit everything before it goes out there and we'll help you get clients completely for free before you ever make a decision as to whether you want to work with us. So the link will be in the bio there on Instagram and you can come and join us. Yeah, and I'll stick that in the show notes as well so people can link straight through to it. Okay, the final question. So to finish every podcast, I'm keen to leave the listeners with some simple life routines that they can adopt and apply on a daily basis. So what principles would be at the top of your list to form the foundations of human health? And we haven't discussed this yet, but what is this alluding to is, is your routine is like what keeps you on track and in other words i call this a human first approach excellent um well for for myself i plan all my my days well usually my week in advance so i i i know exactly what i'm doing on thursday afternoon at 2 30 p.m i i already know it however i always put all my gym sessions in any downtime, any hobbies, I put all of that in before I formulate the work around it. So all of those things take center stage. It does not mean that there'll be any um, any client work that goes into the background. I know what's going to get done. The, it doesn't mean that the work that needs to get done in the business won't get done. It just means I'm going to be more efficient with my time. If I give myself eight hours to do what could be done in six hours, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take the full eight hours. Otherwise, I can put in the downtime. I can give myself the time to recharge my batteries throughout the day. I can have the time to, to go to the gym, which I love and actually gives me energy rather than taking it away. And I can have all of those things that give me a fulfilling life um, in there. So I'm a, I'm a happier human and a happier human is more energized and a more energized human can deliver big, bigger for my clients. So my, my old system back in the day was work every single hour you were awake. Um, no matter how you feel, you just get on with it. Um, you give up training, you give up um, time with friends, family, partners. You don't, uh, you don't have any hobbies anymore. It's just work, work, work continuously. And that put me down a terrible path. And it was actually when I was in a, in a really bad place in that first business, 
where I was doing that, sleeping two hours a night, I dropped like four stone. I'm not even that big a guy now. So dropping four stone, I was down to like six stone at the time or six and a half stone. And I was just in a terrible place mentally. And um, I remember typing into to Google, uh, to YouTube, sorry, because I was like, you know, Tony Robbins has the answer to everything, right? So I was like, Tony Robbins, business depression or something along the lines of that. And it popped up a video because he has one on literally anything um, that you could think of. So it actually came up with a video and he said, um, the majority of business owners that end up uh, in, in depression are usually in depression because they've taken away all their relationships, they've taken away all their hobbies, they've taken away anything that was exterior to business. And it means that because humans basically uh, determine happiness or feel happiness based upon progress, like he says, um, progress equals happiness. And if we feel like we're moving forward, then we're happy. If we feel we're stagnant or even worse, going backwards, then we feel terrible about ourselves. So if you have only one metric for you to measure, and that is, did business move forward today? Or was it a day where I stayed stagnant or gone backwards? Then you're you're always going to have multiple days where you just feel absolutely terrible. And especially in our first business, because it was so difficult to get that thing off the ground. Um, there was more days than not where business felt like it was stagnant or going backwards, you know. And um, the very first thing that I put back in was exercise. And as soon as I had something to measure there, so it was like uh, my deadlifts, my benches, my, my squats, like all of those compound lifts, I measured everything. Uh, in my phone, workout by workout. I still do that today. Like I, I, I do the same workouts pretty much. I have like two or well, two sort of four, but there's only slight variations of sort of upper lower. And um, I do the same ones every time, but I just make sure that I do more than I did the last time I did the same workout and just progressively overload from there. When I put that into place, I was in that position now where if business didn't go to plan that day, then training maybe did. And maybe I felt the progress there. And instantly I had something to attach like progress and happiness to. Then I threw in, uh, I went back to start playing football again. So then I had another thing that I could sort of measure and like feel that I was a part of. Then I started seeing people more and I was able to actually take a little bit of like progress felt in the relationships that I had. And now I'm at the point where, you know, working with so many people in like a business marketing sort of mentorship space, it's very common for it to be like hard work, hard work, hard work. And don't get it wrong. I, I make sure everybody works hard and I work ridiculously hard in the hours I'm working as well. But I always make sure that everybody is focused upon the relationships that they want to have, the lifestyle they want to have, the hobbies they want to have. Those things are filtered in to that person's life. There is not a day that goes by where I don't watch lots of TV, right? I, I, and you know what, that's the very thing that somebody will listen to this right now and say, you know what, he, he sounded, he sounded great until that point, right? Because people have this like stigma with like TV is laziness or TV is like a bad thing. It just so happens. I absolutely love box sets, right? I love like a box set that you can binge and I absolutely love it. And so does my wife. And so when my wife gets back from work, we like, we, we make dinner together, we have dinner together. And we will binge like two hours, sometimes three hours of TV back to back. And that's it every single day. And we enjoy it and we absolutely love it. I train just about every single day. If it's not a training day, then I'll at least go out for a walk and get get a little bit of activity. 
again, something that is just a non-negotiable. It's going to be there, and I absolutely love it. And so, you know, my 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 biggest advice from from that side of things is to plan your weeks in advance. Know what you're doing, sort of morning, afternoon, evening for for each day of the week, and uh, filter in relationship stuff, filter in um, hobbies, filter in your exercise, and all of those things, and build. Uh, the business activity around it. It's just going to make sure that you're not trying to fill spaces with business activity. Instead, you're going to go, I need to be efficient with the stuff I'm going to do this week to generate clients and no time is going to get wasted. That's a hell of an answer. <laughs> uh, that really, yeah, God, that's given me quite a few ideas as well because it's so true. What I've realized over the years, when you give a specialist, when someone wants to learn one skill, I've always been apprehensive about just giving them say a handstand to develop on because if that person gets stagnant on the handstand and maybe we're not working on uh, specific flexibility goals or uh, I don't know strength metrics then they're, they're like well this one metric's not improving so I'm stagnant I've been here for four months so I'm going to quit so whereas if they see that their front splits has improved and they're now uh, doing 25 pull-ups instead but they go, do you know what? I can I can sort of deal with that. I can deal with that stagnation over here because these have developed. Yeah, that's a great concept. I really like the idea of that. Um, and I can see how important it is because I've always thought business supports the things we love, the things we love doing, as opposed to work and business becoming everything you do. Because then you've just forgotten everything, the whole reason behind it, haven't you? Why do we earn money? Maybe, yeah, if you want to watch box sets to, <laughs> to pay for Netflix, whatever it might be. I mean, my hobby is like eight, eight quid a month. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, um, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I think it's been brilliant. And yeah, I, you've got a great energy as a person as well. I can see how that translates through the way you genuinely share these these methods because i always felt that when i was looking at your stuff it was here's a way to do it but you're still being authentic and that's so important as well it's like there's no here's one thing but then oh three months later you haven't achieved it it's here it is and this is how you're going to achieve it you're encouraging people to be themselves just putting themselves out there in a slightly different way and i think that's so important amazing thanks so much man i really appreciate you having me on and uh yeah, uh, excited to see it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Neil and myself. To find out more about Neil's work, please head to the links in the show notes and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.